Hey there, we're the West Slap Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspel. Gentlemen, it's nice to beat Nebraska. You know, I it you know, it, it's always fun to beat Nebraska. And we beat Nebraska. I, was it was it the prettiest game we've ever played? No, it was not. Was it the shellacking that I think we all wished we'd have dropped on them? It was not. Did it come down to the last drive like it always does? Yes, it did. But you're looking at a Northwestern team now ranked number 23 in both the AP and coaches poll that has not allowed a single point in the second half of any game this season. Holy crap, that's amazing. I mean, first of all, FNA, you're absolutely right. I, you know, I t- tweeted out after the game, we've given up three touchdown drives this year. Average length of those drives, 18 yards. Um, and even that's a little misleading because Iowa, to their credit, took one in from 45 yards out. The other two were from three and seven yards. Um, but to your earlier point, Sam, you know, when you're playing a blue blood like Nebraska, <laughs> you know, when when you're playing one of the kings of the college football landscape, um, oh my God, never forget people, never let the hate go because we'll be dealing with this crap forever. The stupid improved Nebraska narratives coming into this game. I, because boy, you know, there's more than scores and X's and O's in a 52 17 beatdown at the hands of Ohio State. I guess things are looking up for Nebraska. Um, but, uh, you know, we're going to get into this, but let me just say, too, because this stuff was getting so annoying and reading about blue bloods and boy, you know, and now Northwestern gets by a good Nebraska team. Let me just, let me lay this out for you folks. Obviously, Nebraska's having yet another losing season this season, right? So, riddle me this. If next season, uh, they also have a losing season, let's assume then Scott Frost gets fired, right? After four consecutive losing seasons. Uh, uh, he's a golden child. I mean, it, it's taken Harbaugh six years before his seat's starting to get as hot as it is. Either way, all right, let's say... Right, losing well, season. Well, I mean, Luke McCaffrey's going to be a star, guys. So I mean, that's oh, going to solve it. No, right? Hey, I'm, I'm sure because you know you can, as Nebraska's proven for the past four years, you can win just by having a fast quarterback and nothing else. That really racks up the wins and losses. <laughs> um, but again, bear with me here. Nebraska headed for a losing season this season. Next year, let's say they have another losing season. And just bear with me. Let's say Nebraska fans come to their senses. They're like, well, we're not getting it done with Frost. They fire Frost. They bring in a new coach who is given a leash yet again. And in that new coach's first season, they put up another four and eight, five and seven, whatever. All right. This is a plausible scenario, right? Okay. If that happens, half of the Nebraska seasons since 2002 will be 500 or worse. That's the blue blood we are playing right now. Um, and again, I just had to get that off my chest because, boy, I mean, I, I, we all love the fact that I think this team, and we'll get to the rankings, we'll get to all that, um, is playing with a chip on its shoulder deservedly. But man, it's not too hard as a fan to feel like we've got that chip also. 
Yeah, so with that said, let's get into this game. Um, I I think we should start off, I I mentioned the the defense playing out of its mind in the second half yet again, but we should start with the offense. Um, Because I I know there's been some narratives, especially, you know, looking at uh, what kind of been talking about after the game. Um, You know, there's some narratives out there that, you know, this was just yet another Mick McCall style game. I don't, I don't buy into that. I mean, the first half was rough, no doubt about it. You know, Peyton Ramsey looked rough, and like we were, we were talking, um, you know, via text during the game, and we were wondering if he was nicked up or something because he just looked off. But the second half came around, and something got adjusted, and uh, it, you know, things got better. Well, I mean, let's 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 start with Ramsey, right? Because yeah, so. We talked a little bit last week about wind and Iowa and how he looked. And when the team was driving toward the south end zone with the wind in its face in this game, the offense looked anemic. And they managed to score that touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh, And thank goodness. I was thinking if they didn't score in the third, um, it was going to be a done deal. Like whatever they needed to get done, they needed to get it done in the third when they had the wind at their back. But and, and John's got some really awesome explicit examples of, of this, but Ramsey doesn't have a cannon um, attached to his shoulder, and that is okay, but it shows up in these sorts of situations, and you saw him spraying balls a little bit. Um, yeah, his second interception, I think, was just a mental lapse um, and, and, and poor judgment, but his his accuracy declined going into the wind. His ability to get it downfield declined going into the wind. And I think, I think as a result, the offense had to become one dimensional. And you know, I, I did my usual game charting. Um, what was interesting is in the first half we had a really even balance of passing and running on first down. I, I mean, I think, but Jakeen continues to mix it up in ways that we haven't seen in the past. We do have a tendency to run on second and long. Um, if we've passed on, on, on first down or otherwise, as we got into the second half, we started to run more and more and more on first down. And what was, you know, if I was going to point, if I was going to, if I was going to point to a couple things that, that the cats need to certainly think about as as they go forward, like when Isaiah Bowser is not able to play or when Isaiah Bowser is nicked up, like who's going to come in and be your guy that can run through contact in between the tackles? Because as as well as Drake Anderson did on Saturday, um, to me, to my eyes, Nebraska's defensive linemen, and, and they were selling out a bit against the run, especially in the interior, but they were able to get off blocks pretty effectively and stop stop Anderson. I, I, I am... 90% confident that a lot of those runs with Bowser would have gone an extra one to three yards just because of, of the nature of how he is and can run through arm tackles. You know, I, 99 um, on Nebraska was one that, that I, I felt like constantly I saw him getting an arm around Anderson and, and just slowing him up enough as, as he's going through the middle of the line. He had that one awesome touchdown run on the first drive, and then after that, it was three yards here, two yards there, three yards here, one yard there, and it – and it was a bit of a slog, and I think Northwestern needs to think about what they're going to do, um, how they're going to attack in the run game, because this is what we're going to continue to see, folks, is is Bajakian attacking through the run game and forcing teams into heavier boxes and single high safety, which is exactly what they did to Nebraska, which is where 
I'm going to turn things over to John in a second here, but um, if we're going to do that and we're going to try to be like effective at controlling the game that way, we either need Bowser or we need a, we need we need somebody to step up who can run through contact a little bit better. Yeah, we we need the thunder to the thunder and lightning. I mean, Anderson is lightning. I mean, he is shifty, he is quick, but you know, he is not a pounded up the middle every down back. He just isn't. Well, and the idea was like his his speed allowed Northwestern to focus on what was directly ahead of them and essentially like not worry about linebackers coming in from the outside. The idea is like he can get up into the hole before the outside linebacker can get around the edge of the line and tackle him. And th- the problem was that it is Nebraska's interior linemen. They weren't getting the push on Northwestern's O linemen, but they were getting off blocks effectively to cut off those running lanes. Well, so first of all, a couple things on that. Um, they is a bit of a stretch. You mentioned 99. That's Ty Robinson. That's their best defensive lineman. He's going to be their best defensive lineman for the next three and a half years. Um, he's a big get for them. He is towering over the rest of their defensive line right now. Um, and we talked about him coming into the game. And that's, I mean, Nebraska, give them 10 more guys like that and they'll have the black shirts. Right now they have one. Um, but, you know, Ty Robinson is a good player. But you, you talk about Drake Anderson. We should, of course, mention his great touchdown run at the beginning of the game. And the you talk about single safety high, and we talk and we talk about the the tenor of the first half of this game because, um, first of all, Scuzz is absolutely right about Ramsey, and it's I think saying he doesn't have the strongest arms kind of underselling a little bit. We were going back and forth and saying I we he's got to be hurt. The, the way the ball's fluttering coming out of his hand. And then I went back and did a deep dive on Indiana highlights. That's just Peyton Ramsey th- throwing the ball. Like, that's just the way he throws the ball. And you might be saying, well, it looks like he's kind of shot-putting the ball out there, and the ball flutters coming out of his hand. That's the way he throws, folks. That's why a three-time Ohio Conference Player of the Year in high school, who's 6'3", gets rated as a two-star recruit by rivals. Indiana was his best offer. We looked at him and did not offer him, okay? He's the kind of guy who has the A-plus brain for the position. Um, but And then I can hear you all jumping and be like, well, not in the first half of this game he didn't. Let me put it to you logically. How many times has he had a half like that in his career? Almost zero. Because a guy who throws the ball the way he throws it doesn't get second chances, especially early in his college career, because he doesn't look the part throwing the ball, but he's got it where it counts. And man, we'll get there, but to have the kind of half he had and then scrub it from his brain the way that he did and throw four incomplete passes in the second half, that's the kind of guy we're dealing with. But Rewinding to where we were at the start of, uh, at the start here, like Scuzz mentioned, okay, Drake goes up, break, busts his touchdown run. Well, the reason for that was Nebraska hadn't really adjusted. They were attempting to go heavy on that play by subbing in poor Damian Daniels, who, <laughs> what does he weigh? Like three, I was worried that guy was going to have a heart attack running on and off the field. Um, <laughs> They brought him on and they were like, well, here's our 350 whatever pound nose tackle. And we were like, you're either packing the box or you're not packing the box because just bringing one more fatty on ain't going to get it done. 
and we torched him on that play. And the thing with Drake is, you give him a wide hole, he's the exact guy you want in the second that, level. Because that so- play was that play was perfectly blocked at every level of um, uh, of of the defense, and like they, like the tunnel that they created um, on on that side of the offensive line, and I think McGowan was blocking as well, and then Rain. Uh, going downhill through that tunnel, um, it just but but it in like one of the things um, they were using Nebraska was using I think Rainer number twenty eight um, extremely aggressively in the first half. I mean that dude was 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 basically coming on a rush with the four linemen every single play, and he caused some havoc getting to Ramsey. Um, he was responsible for shutting down a lot of the running plays, um, but on that one. Like he, like, like the linebackers were all basically cut off from the play because of just the bodies in, in the way. And it almost, it almost hurt them bringing on that defensive tackle. But the one other thing I saw through, through a lot of my watch is that a lot of North Northwestern's like second level blocking in this game, like, like guys just didn't get there. And I don't think that's necessarily about Nebraska speed. I think that's just a case of our guys weren't weren't getting their combo blocks quite as effectively and so like we like we never got past that first level beyond that play in the game well and so but again i think a lot of that is the flow of the game and what happened after that first drive because after that first drive um nebraska was like all right well we're missing our two starting safeties right now and we just got gashed so, right, we've got to get into the box and play downhill against the run. And Nebraska was looking for the run the rest of the first half in this game, leading on, I think, the next drive. It was either the second or third Northwestern drive. Oh, no, that's not true, because it was it had to be the start of the second quarter, I guess. Um, Bajakian was just looking for the moment, and the problem was it was pretty clear early on that something was off with Ramsey. I mean, he's fluttering, but but again, that's the kind of ball he throws. But his passes were sailing high. Um, one of the first um, outlines, and for people who being like, Northwestern didn't throw downhill field in this game. We targeted Bryce Kurtz deep in you know early on in the first quarter, and he was open, um, and Ramsey just missed him. Well, and- I, I thought it was the sun. He was looking back directly into the sun, and it hit him in the hands. I like Ramsey. Ramsey put it close enough. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's and I mean, so it was like that play was there, right? And it didn't come together. And you know, I whatever was going on with Ramsey again, it's like the the bad QB bug flies around, and for whatever reason, it landed on Peyton Ramsey in the first half of this game, and he wasn't getting the luck, and then you know the elements and his own just throwing everything was just off, right? But early in the second quarter. But Jakey, who had been mixing things up, he'd been bringing that John Rain across the formation play a couple of times, which worked once, didn't work a couple times. But we were going to subsequently find out in the third quarter he had yet another wrinkle to run out of that set. He was baiting Nebraska. And Nebraska was selling out against the run. And it all led to this series where Bajakian had a two-play series that he had all lined up. They started in the shotgun, bunch formation out of the shotgun, handed off to Drake to the left. I'm sure Bajakian thought that play was going to get between zero and six yards. He didn't care. Okay. As it was, I think it got one yard. It was all just a bait. 
we ran that play out of shotgun and then immediately ran up to the line in a similar set, but Ramsey was under center. And we ran a standard play action out of that immediately. And Nebraska's entire defense just bit on it so hard. And Riley Lees was wide open running a deep post pattern. And if it was over, I mean, like, the list of possibilities on that play um, ranged from a 50% chance of a 75-yard touchdown to, you know, a 25-30% chance of a 30-50-yard play. But Ramsey just underthrew the heck out of it with an assist from a headwind that was in his face. And the ball just hung up and hung up and hung off and ended up bouncing off the guy's helmet. I mean, a guy who had no idea where the ball was because he was just so completely beat on that play. Um, and Lees had to wait for it and it came back. That play should have been a touchdown and it would have blown the game wide open. Um and that's the kind of thing that was going on. But the bottom line is that was a microcosm for the fact that Ramsey was just a mess. Um, and kind of as an aside, we talked about in this game that the one thing Nebraska can do is bring pressure. Uh, Scuzz already mentioned it, right? With Reimer coming off. Like you said, he was practically functioning as another defensive lineman, right? Um, and... They want to bring heat. Eric Chenander, that's one of the things he knows he has. He doesn't have much, but he's got Ty Robinson, and he's got an ability to pressure the quarterback in passing situations. The way you do that is you constantly juggle whether it's a run or a pass on any given down. Um, but the problem was our quarterback wasn't able to hit the broadside of the barn in the first half of this game, which means we were forced to run early which means third and longs, which means Nebraska can run their pressures, etc. And it all just kind of ground into a mess. It's all a long way of saying this wasn't some McCall throwing it into the line the entire first half while we pulled our hair out, okay? Patrick Ramsey just, Peyton Ramsey just kind of forgot how to throw for a half and it kind of gummed up the works of everything. And in the second half, we straightened it out uh, and and the offense did more than enough to win. It is interesting that, um, and I think I think the way you characterized it earlier, John, is really telling because we run we run against eight man boxes a lot, um, which is something that I think when defenses showed they were selling out against the run, you know, often McCall's QBs would would um, check out of it right into like out routes or, you know, it often ended in a sack. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, but we, this offense under Bajakian, because he doesn't, the way you phrased it, John, like he doesn't, he doesn't care like that Drake play averaging four yards of carry with the Drake carry is not what makes his offense go. It's getting the defense to bite in and hitting them over the top. Um, you know, eight man box means, means single high safety. And that means your deep outs are open. That's what Ramsey did best yesterday. Uh, you talked about that Kurtz shot that he took. It was like the fourth pass that he took probably, you know, roughly 25 yards downfield. Uh, he hit Kurtz on a 15 yard, uh, out route. He hit Lee's on a 15 yard out route. Um, like those are some of the, some of the passes that he's, uh, thrown really well to, um, McGowan, uh, I like 
that part of the field is open for him, but that's predicated on the approach that Bajakian takes running the ball. And I think that's the difference between this offense and the past offenses. The past offense was just like, hmm, what situation are we in? Oh, this looks like an interesting play. Um, whereas now we have a system that is, it is built to open other things up the way that you're doing, you know, you're, you're running play X to open up play Y. I mean, the perfect example of that was what? The first play of the game. That just kind of misdirection. Oh my god! <laughs> the, the the misdirection, uh, the play action over the over the middle to to John Ring, and it it was like, oh, that was a that was a really cool play, and it worked really really well. And then later in the game, exact same formation, exact same play, except they handed it off. You know, it was it was it went as a draw instead of a play action, and Nebraska bid on it so hard. Well, it wasn't even it, it, the one I'm thinking of. He didn't even hand it off. He just faked throwing and then yeah. ran. Oh no, that, that was a Ramsey run. That's right. That, he, he pulled it down. I, I, I was. I mean, it was a beautiful play. I just to to bring something else up because it dovetails with exactly that. The announcers were going off in the first game about how well you know Nebraska for like the last two seasons, their first drive has been like they've scored like a touchdown on the half of their first drive and everything. And I'm thinking, well. Well, we know their offense hasn't been good. So what you're just telling me is they script their first drive of the game. And then like, and Scott Frost loves to script his first drive. And it's like, well, anyone can spend a week scripting the first drive of the game. Uh, but Jakeian put a script together for the first drive of the second half. And it kind of unlocked it. That included that play that we're talking about. And it unlocked everything. It got Ramsey back on track. It allowed us to march right down the field and score. Um, and I think went a long way to kind of straightening out this offense. Um, something we talked, you know, talking, going back to Drake too. Um, and this Scuzz kind of alluded to it, but the problem is Drake can be going at full speed. And if a defensive lineman has an eye, an arm out, that can be enough to stop Drake. And that's the problem. Um, and I think we're put in an interesting situation where, um, again, to juxtapose with McCall, right? We In the same situation, we'd be pulling our hair out that Kyrick McGowan was not starting at running back in this situation. Except Bajakian uses McGowan really effectively, not starting at running back. Um, he had six touches in this game. Um, his I think his numbers were, what, like over 10 yards a touch? He's a threat all the time. So as long as he's out there and part of you is like, yeah, but I mean, look at the way this guy could potentially play running back. It's like, yeah, but you're also increasing the chance he gets hurt. And I think Bajakian's found a really effective way to minimize his carries, minimize his wear and tear and maximize his effectiveness on the game. But it's like, we get it. Like to Scuzz's point circling back, like Bowser, having Bowser here obviously makes a big difference. But again, I think... This offense got itself sorted out in the first half. Um, at the end, you know, at halftime, came out with a better game plan. Ramsey flushed it in a way that, again, you're not going to find many quarterbacks who have that bad of a first half and flush it and throw two TDs and four incompletions and 130 yards in the second half. If you photocopy his second half twice over, that's a fantastic game, and we smoke Nebraska. Um, but regardless, he got it together. He put it together. One thing I, you know, I'll turn it over to you, Scuzz, because I think, um, when a lot of people were making those Mick comparisons, I think they were focusing on kind of a specific thing that sort of came up last game too. Maybe, maybe well, the, the last drive of the game, the last couple drafts. 
Yeah, and this, so, I mean, this has been something that, you know, ironically, in, in the waning Mick years, um, 2019, notwithstanding, because we didn't have any, any leads to blow in 2019, for the most part, um, like, Northwestern kind of got away from this, and I don't, I don't know if this is just fits imprinting himself upon, um, <laughs> upon Bajakian, or if, if, if the if this is calculus based on the opposing quarterback and the state of our defense, which we're going to talk a lot about um, in a couple minutes here, but the last two drives of these last two games have been, let me rephrase the last three plays of the last drive of this game. And the final drive of the Iowa game are, are the stuff of Northwestern nightmares circa 2013 and 2014. And it's, it's this, willingness I'll, I'll characterize it this way in the nebraska game right so so we get the ball with what six minutes to play uh two drake anderson runs and then ramsey uh hits rcb for a first down mcgowan rips off a big run now we're close to midfield and we basically kneel on it i mean we you know we run we run for three yard for a three yard loss. We run for a two yard gain, and then on third down, Ramsey basically slides. <laughs> and, Might as well and have just taken and, a knee at that point. I mean, right? Like on third and eleven, like, like I, I don't, I don't think you can get into the into the into shenanigans with that particular play call and be too upset about it because like two extra yards not going to make a big difference. The likelihood of of you know you have to run there to keep the clock going, right? But the likelihood of running and converting a third and 11 on the ground versus the risk of a potential fumble or something like, like it totally makes sense to just do the total bare minimum at that stage, but letting it get to third 11 and 11 in a spot where you should be probably driving for a first down and trying to at least go kick a field goal and make it a two possession game is frustrating. And I don't, I don't know what to say other than this in that, Game one, we got to play a QB who had never played college football before, really. Um, game two, we played an ex- another extremely raw QB in Spencer Petrus. Game three, for some inexplic- inexplicable reason, instead of going to their junior experienced signal caller, Nebraska put everything on Luke McCaffrey's shoulders at the very end of the game, having not played him at all in the first three quarters, which like that combination of things is very weird to me. And our defense is effing ridiculous. So like the idea that our defense could stop them and shut them down and is our best chance to win is, is not wrong. I'll say, Um, but I understand why, why there's, there's a, a halo effect of this strategy that is terrifying Northwestern fans. And let's be really clear. Do not plan to give the ball back to Purdue with two minutes left oh, in the no. game and expect to get a stop oh, like, no. next week. Like this shit doesn't work. So, um, I, I am hoping that it is the calculus in the moment. I think, you know, spade being a spade. If it were Mick McCall in, in the 2013, 2014, vein like Peyton Ramsey ain't getting a chance to throw that ball on third and eight from our nine yard line like that's another run up the middle and then a punt to midfield 
like bar none, like that's exactly what would have happened. So and, and John would have been screaming, "Why didn't you just punch it on third down?" Yeah, hey, quick hey. kick. As, as 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 I do. I mean, you know, the second half of this game under the previous administration, we just run on every play. Um, we have bailed on Peyton Ramsey by this point. He can't figure it out. We're not throwing. We've got no way to scheme out of this, so we're going to be running uh, up the gut, off tackle left, off tackle right, and then just hoping that the line can open some holes. That's what happens in the old administration. Uh, we get it. I mean, as Scuzz said, though, um, the 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 one calculus here, and we haven't talked about him yet, but it's probably a pretty good time to pivot, um, is that we knew we were punting and turning the ball over to probably one of the three best defenses in the country. Um, And that's not hyperbole. We're probably one of the three best defenses in the country. Um, As the season goes on, we've started tweeting it. Mike Hankowitz is going to be one of the front runners for the Broyles Award, if this keeps up. This is a guy who's been coaching since Nixon was president. And this might be one of the best defenses he's ever had. Um, And... It's that good. So by that calculus, like even I, who, again, the amount of times I've torn my hair out over three Mick McCall rot dives into the line and a punt, even I was like, well, hell, I mean, I'll take this defense with an eight point lead. <laughs> um, and, that's, and, it, and it's worth noting it was eight instead of seven. And that's worth something, too. Especially because, right. you know, you consider like we're fine giving up yards between the 20s. You get into the red zone and. It gets locked down. So even if they had come down and scored a touchdown, you got to get the two-point conversion. I mean, that's forcing two plays in short yardage, and we're good in short yardage. Right. I to, The thing, too, right, if you're going to come at us, uh, if you're going to come at this team that has given up three touchdown drives, average length, 18 yards, with some, but they threw two red zone interceptions BS, <laughs> Give me a break. A, Scuzz is just mapped out for you. Yeah, because Nebraska decided to ride the lightning with a guy who ain't played before against tur- against Northwestern's turnover machine, against the Brandon Joseph Express, um, who oh, who didn't even he wasn't even the one who picked McCaffrey off, but you get what I'm saying. Martinez, I mean, what what more can you say? He is their whole team. The drive that he threw that end zone interception, it was third and 11 at their own eight. And they called some BS play. And he was like, well, no one else on my team's going to do anything. So I guess I'm going to try to run for 18 yards and got them the first down. And then did it like three more times, took them all the way down the field, and then threw an interception in the end zone. This is the Nebraska experience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is why when I tweeted out the fact that Frost absolutely threw Martinez under the bus by starting McCaffrey at the end of this game, a Nebraska fan was like, no, that's ridiculous. Martinez sucks. Effectively. It's like, this is the Nebraska experience. Can you imagine what it's like now with their broken record as they try to talk themselves into yet another super fast quarterback who doesn't have an offense built around him? Um, but again, it's like, 
this defense, we talked about the fact that the one thing Nebraska had was slippery quarterbacks. I mean, what else do you want? Dedrick Mills, four-star running back. He's 220 pounds. He averaged 3.1 yards a carry in this game. They didn't throw the ball worth a damn until the end of the game when we were just giving McCaffrey cushions to move down the field. Um, And it's like they did stuff with their slippery quarterbacks. It's the only thing they did against Ohio State, too. Um, And it's like, aside from that, our defense totally handled this team. It's really interesting that um, the passing game didn't didn't do more for them and i and it is it is so indicative of how yes, good our defense is yes so like the thing about martinez versus mccaffrey martinez was 12 of 27 his 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 accuracy was really poor um some of that was because northwestern was breaking stuff up and you're right with mccaffrey the the cats were giving a little bit more more space marcus fleming uh, is a is a big you know freshman uh, receiver who looks pretty decent. Omar Manning didn't catch a pass. Um, this is the, the what, like, was, he, I, was I, he targeted? I mean, he was, um, and he, and he returned some, uh, some kicks actually. He returned one of their punts. Um, but, and, and, and he, he definitely was targeted, but the thing is, is like, I think we put Newsom on him and basically took him out of the game. Hey, well, um, I mean, of all the guys who were on the field, uh, Northwestern secondary didn't have any uh, problem with the guys who were wearing red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about news. I mean, a um, awesome to have Newsom back. I mean, having him back there, just our secondary is so much even more complete. I mean, Oh, it, it's so good. And and you put Newsom back in the mix and oh, now all of a sudden People have played. There's depth. There's legit depth. You can run five DBs and not be concerned about, oh, who's our slot corner? Um, so, yeah, awesome to have Newsom back. I don't know what he said to the refs at some point, but those three PI, the, the, what, the three calls against him were iffy at best. And, you know, that's not just homerism. I mean, the, the, Go back and, and listen to the announcers who were who were surprised by all three. I mean, so you've got you've got the the face mask slash. I can't remember if they actually called it a. They face called mask it a horse, horse collar. collar. They called it he a horse collar. He grabbed him by the sleeve. Yeah, he grabbed him by the sleeve, which is not, and he did not pull him straight down. He was pulling him around, which it, like not a horse collar tackle. Um, the pass interference uh, in the end zone, like. I can see why it happened because his arm, his left arm, this is the classic, right? You have your left arm wrapped around the receiver's hip and you're kind of pulling the receiver as you jump over them to knock the ball down in front of them. His left arm was in that space. It didn't touch the receiver until after he had knocked the ball down. Um, and then the third one was, you know, a hold that was, that was ticky tack at best. It was just, it was just nonsense. But here, like, here's the thing. Let's talk about the play after the horse call. Yeah. Where yes. ne- Nebraska immediately coming off this penalty, getting a first down, th- throws deep. And Newsom is right there, leaping into the air, um, like A, stride for stride with the receiver. And I, and I wish I I wish I knew which receiver it was. Um, I, I don't remember offhand. But leaps into the air and, uh, and, and, 
deflects the pass away. Um, no, they couldn't call pass interference on that play because there was not even an iota of potential pass interference, and it was just beautiful. Uh, his his ability to run with receivers downfield and make those types of plays is is what makes him our absolute best weapon in the secondary. It is, and you know we've kind of been talking about this. There's been some talk kind of out in northwestern circles, um, and. I'm going to go ahead and say it, and it's going to sound super hyperbolic to say it, um, but I'm going to explain what I mean. This is the best Northwestern secondary I've seen since we started doing this pod. Okay? Yeah. Let that sit there for a second, okay? While you all load your shotguns with the names of every great Northwestern secondary player who has ever played up to this point, okay? I hear you. I hear you feeding your Ibrahim Campbell shell in there. I heard it lock. I heard your Kyle Cairo. I heard your Matt Harris. I heard your Chris Martin. Okay, I hear you. Here's my reasoning, all right? Name our number one cornerback. Do you feel good about him going to war with him? Name our number two cornerback. Do you feel good about going to war with him? What if number one gets hurt? Do you feel good about the guy who comes in to replace him? Uh, I sure do. Rod Hurd. Uh, what if Cam goes down? Do you feel good about AJ Hampton coming in? I sure do. Um, how do you feel about our two strong, our two starting safeties? How's the JR Pace Brandon Joseph era working out for you? <laughs> okay. Um, if either of them goes, how's Coco Azima working out for you? All right. How's Bryce Jackson? How's Cam Mitchell? All right. There are like nine guys here. Okay. Who all go to war with every single one of these guys. We've never had anything remotely like this kind of depth at this position. Um, and it's a massive security blanket and to just have, have had Newsom. I mean, to have had Hurd and Hampton and Ruiz play so well and then Newsom comes back and you're like, oh yeah, the only person who can beat Greg Newsom is the ref. Because other than that, he's just <laughs> dealing out there. Um, John, here's what's not controversial about your statement is that like we have had individual players and you named the, like the, the guys, right? Um, in the past who, who are astoundingly good and maybe even better than some of these guys. You know the the Matt Harris um, Nick Van Hoos pairing at corner was probably probably the best single starting pair of corners that 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 I can recall. But objectively, Northwestern has never ever ever had this kind of depth in the secondary. And I mean, just saying saying four corners, right names, and knowing that they've all played and they've all looked really good is is a new experience at. at at, as a fans of this football team, um, it's it's and and Brandon Joseph is brings a mix of skills to the safety position that I don't believe that we have seen in a long long time, if ever. Um, you mentioned Chris Martin. I like I never got to watch Chris Martin um, live, you know, live in the day. But uh, like when when it's Joseph and Pace and. Bryce Jackson out there all at the same time in our, in our, you know, four, two, five look. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And, and you, and you, you saw on that interception in the first half, like Joseph's ability to, um, 
to range and cover ground and make massive plays in coverage, not just hit the hit the bejesus out of running backs um, and receivers coming over the middle. So, like the 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 talent is is massive. The skill set is incredible. Um, these guys tackle hard. Newsom had three passes defense. Yeah, and on, just on. back to that Brandon Joseph interception. He got that pick over a guy who was six eight, and he and right. Joseph went and high pointed that over a six eight uh, wide receiver. I mean, it's yep. it's it's just an absolute wealth of riches back there that we've never had. Um, and on the flip side, and again, I feel like it's sacrilege that we haven't mentioned Blake Gallagher, Patty Fisher, and Chris Bergen yet. Yeah, um, who had even more, who had even more tackles to their names this week than last. I mean, th- th- Thirty-eight <laughs> tackles. How's that working out for us? Pretty good. Um, and you know, it's funny you talked about Jackson, who I think was actually banged up because we didn't see him in this game. Bergen, I, thought, I thought we saw him late, but maybe I'm thinking of Mitchell. Yeah, it could have been. It was Mitchell. Um, but Bergen provides so much flexibility there. Yeah. And he really gives you a lot of tools because he really can – he can play that role. If you need him to play that role, if you're playing a team that wants to go heavier and you want to show that kind of look, he can play that kind of look. Um, Gallagher was phenomenal. Patty had it, – it's so funny. I – Patty had a couple plays, I think two, that you looked and you were like, boy, ee, that's like could have wrapped up a little bit better there. But then you look and he had 13 tackles and seven solo tackles. Um, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's Patty Fisher. That's why he had that kind of day. Um, the one thing about Patty, and and I think it was interesting because you had two plays back-to-back that kind, of, that kind of articulated this in that McCaffrey beat him to a spot. Um I, I, I'm not sure if it was the last drive or the second to last drive, but like just running up the middle, like I don't know if, if, if Patty got caught flat footed or what, but McCaffrey was just too quick for him and went around, went around the edge. <laughs> Next play though, uh, Patty put a shoulder into him and put him in the, in the turf. So um, like, I, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm questioning his foot speed, but I think he has been, um, I don't know. Targeted is the right term, but um but his 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 speed, right? He's he's not an Anthony Walker, right? Um, out there, he's he's not the fleetest of of foot middle linebackers. But his technique is so sound, and his quarterbacking in this defense is so sound. So, um, I like we talked about it last week too. But I mean, it's kind of blowing my mind right now because it's like up is down, cats and dogs living together with this defense. All of a sudden, we've got defensive backs for weeks. And we're playing two tackles right now. I mean, like Jordan Butler had a you know a cup of coffee, but this is Jake Saunders and Joe Spivak going wire to wire. We're basically playing five defensive linemen, um, and it is just blowing my mind. Tommy Adebayore works as a Swiss Army knife. And he plays, he's kind of glues both the end rotation and the tackle rotation together. And we just go to war with five guys. It's Ernest Brown, Echoliota, Tommy, Jake, and Joe. And we are getting it done with those five guys. And it's blowing my mind. Yeah, we're not like racking up sacks. But you're talking, these, these guys, how these guys, I'm looking at Joe and the weight he's carrying. And the fact that not only is he going out on every down at tackle, 
He's playing some fullback too. Yeah. He's moonlighting <laughs> on the other side of the ball. And I just no- on, on that John Rain touchdown, um, Spivak was in there at fullback, and he he was making a move out to the end zone. And I thought for sure that was the first look. Uh, Spivak was covered. Rain was open. Um, but it, I I said it last week. Spivak is going to have a touchdown this year. Yeah. I and again I again to flip over. I watched Damian Daniels for Nebraska. I thought that guy was going to collapse running on and off of the field. And meanwhile, Spivak, who's carrying three bills at least, um, is just giving it every single play. The stamina is just blowing my mind with him and Saunders right now. And well, let's talk about Tommy Adebayore on that that critical late game sack of McCaffrey and the 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 tenacity and the endurance to keep chasing McCaffrey further and further back up the field um, that late in the game after playing as many reps as he had like that yeah this D line is 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 balling out and it's it's not showing up in the stats in the stat sheet the way that you would normally expect it to right I like this is all just circling back to the fact that I mean I think a lot of Northwestern fans because of cardiac cats the main takeaway everyone's going to remember is Luke McCaffrey looking like a McCaffrey at the end of this game and being like, oh my gosh, that guy's so flipping fast. Don't let him get into the second level. Oh my gosh, he could be gone. Okay, well, great. So Nebraska's got that. They have yet another fast quarterback who threw no touchdowns in a pick and looked really fast running the ball. Like the broken record continues for Nebraska, okay? But meanwhile, I just want to hammer home that if Peyton Ramsey is dealing to start this game and is the second half guy, and, and we didn't even mention, right, for those of you who are like, want to make this about Nebraska, Nebraska's two starting safeties missed the first half of this game, not the second half of the game, when Ramsey was exponentially better. That was against Cam Taylor Britt, okay? Um, if Ramsey just plays the same two halves of this game, he throws for, what, about 260 four touchdowns, no picks, and we smoke Nebraska in this game. And that's how most of this game felt. Because when Nebraska was trying to move the ball, they weren't moving the ball until the very end of the game when McCaffrey came in and they started to do some goofy stuff out there. Um, And that's the thing. I mean, the talent gap here was pretty apparent. And circumstances allowed Nebraska to stay in this game. Um, But... It wasn't that type of game. And if you would have run this one back 10 times, I know, okay, I'm not an idiot. I know we've played a ton of close games against this team. I get it. But these two teams are not representative of the entirety of that season. If you run this one back a bunch of times, it doesn't get better for Nebraska. It's interesting thinking about that Nebraska angle because we, you know, we talked about it on our, on our preview pod, like, McCaffrey and Martinez, what is going to happen? And one of the things that we said that, you know, kind of like we're not that worried about McCaffrey because he's just redundant to Martinez. And it is, you've got a lot of people asking about, well, why, why didn't they play them both together? And I think that's a reasonable question. I mean, I think the answer is that you don't want them both to get hurt. And the Nebraska coaching staff really believes McCaffrey is a quarterback. And that, that like the announcers even talked about that at one point, like, but at a certain point, like you got to look, you got to look yourself in the mirror and call a spade a spade. Like K- King Coulter was very clear with us at the spring game 
um, the year before his sophomore year, he said, yeah, they're going to get me on the field somehow. We don't, we don't, you know, it's going to take a bunch of different ways, but we're going to do it. And we viewed that dude as a quarterback. And if Nebraska is serious about the Scott Frost offense and being an offensive juggernaut, like they've got to think about how to use these guys in concert because ping ponging back and back, back and forth. And like Adrian Martinez has struggles. He's, he's not an accurate QB and he is prone to turn the ball over. And sure. Maybe Luke McCaffrey is going to be a lot better than him, but what you're just going to have Martinez sit around on the bench. Like, I mean, he's, it, yeah. It, and it all feels like, I mean, we talked about it last week. Right. And it's like, you, the reason you're not seeing them is because you're right. Cause injuries, cause they need that redundancy because their offense is the quarterback pulling it down and running when he's not seeing someone open. It, it, it was so clear every time they got down to the red zone. And this, this, this feeds back into everything we talked about the game plan, everything you talked about, John, and like the, like what's going through Bajakian's mind, what's going through Hank Woods's mind every time. And the announcer said it too. Every time Nebraska got in the red zone, they did not have a means to effectively attack the end zone. They don't have the the skill position players. Yes, Wondell Robinson is super fast. But Wondell Robinson is Mills, not a factor. No, he was not. He was not. We bottled him up very effectively. Um, Austin Allen, who who they threw that that deep ball to, um, whether you know whether it was Martinez being late or what, like I don't know. He's he's a big tight end. Like he like. He doesn't move that well. He caught he caught two balls for for thirty yards. Like that's fine, but they just they don't have the types of weapons. You know, I said at the beginning, like before the game started, I would like Omar Manning was going to be back in this game. We were also getting Newsom back, but that's their best wide receiver receiver on paper, given his pedigree as a JUCO transfer, and he didn't catch a single ball. They've not figured out <laughs> like they've like like the frost off. Like go back and watch UCF when Frost was there and everybody was all about him or, or even Oregon, like those teams were effective at attacking downfield and Nebraska's not. One thing I, I we have to make sure we cover this cause it's super important and we're guilty of doing this several times. Uh, Derek Adams. Oh, yeah. name. We need to yeah, put some yeah, respect. Special teams. Yeah. Well, we, Hey, we, we got to talk about the, 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 the returns too. Kyrick with with a huge kickoff return. Riley Lee's setting up the game-winning touchdown with an actual return. Guys, if I've said one thing a million times, it's this. Riley Lee's is the most dangerous punt return man back there. <laughs> you know, for, I, if for, I've, for all teams. Right. If I've said it a, a million times, if you want one guy to be like, screw the fair catch, I'm going for this. It's Riley Lee's. Uh, hey, I. you know, hey, he, he decided. He waited a solid four years for his moment and he found it. Um, and that was a big play in the game. Um, but at Adams, I mean, boy, uh, an awesome punter, uh, a guy who can uncork a 58 yard punt with the wind. I don't care. Uh, a top three defense in the country and a guy who can punt the ball 58 yards is a pretty good, a pretty good combination. Um, that's always going to be something you can lean on in close games. Well, I'll just, I'll, I'll, we, you know, we mentioned his name a couple times, but Bryce Kurtz uh, showing up as a, as a downfield target a couple times uh, was nice to see. Uh, you know, I think I think we'll see more of him. Um, obviously, this next game, I think we're going to have to be be better through the air against Purdue if if uh, if we want to win. I, I thought it was you, you saw some screen plays start to show up in the second half, which it's it's a it's a 
constant trope of, fo- of football. If, if you're getting a lot of pressure, if a defense is being really aggressive, you run screens um, to outflank them. And, you know, John talked about all that pressure. They were, they were driving up the middle. That Evan Hall screen that went for, what, 21 yards. There was another nice one to Malik Washington. Um, I, I expect us to continue, you know, uh, attacking in, in these ways that, um, cause it's effective, right. And it, and it's, and it's, and it's going to work for us. We just got to make sure we execute those plays. I think we had some, we had some trouble with the screen game at the end of the Iowa matchup. So this upcoming weekend, we've got Purdue, uh, in West Lafayette, Purdue's coming off a buy, uh, you know, they, you know, Wisconsin had to cancel their game early in the week. So unlike, you know, and Nebraska was trying to get something else in. So I think Purdue might have changed their practice schedule a little bit uh, to actually have a bye. I, I would imagine, I don't know that for sure, but uh, I would imagine they had enough advanced warning that they could shift around their practice schedule a little bit. Um, still no sign of Rondell Moore up to this point, but if he if it's an injury, he's now had an extra week to recover. Um, if it's not an injury, we have no idea what it is, but, uh, Oh, you know, our, our, our defensive backs have been a folk, a focal point. They've been awesome. They're going to need to continue to be even without Rondell Moore. David Bell is going to take a lot of, a uh, lot of eyes, a lot of attention. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, I, I'm going to defer to Scuzz because he's the expert on this offense. There are a few people who can diagram it for you better than Scuzz can. Um, th- I think probably it's it's kind of tough to say, right? It, there's no doubt when we looked at the first four games on our schedule that Iowa and Purdue were the two headliners. And those two teams are so radically different. It's kind of hilarious that they played each other as close as they did. Um, they're so different. I think... The one we most often use the phrase terrified with, though, is Purdue. Um, and uh, that is because of what they can do on offense. And I think it's going to require quite the, the special effort to stop it. Well, it's it's so hard right now because you don't have a good read on Purdue. And I think, I, like, not much like not getting to see Nebraska last week is is a detriment for Northwestern. Um, also, unlike Nebraska, whose game against Wisconsin was canceled pretty late, Purdue's was canceled pretty early. So this is going to be more of like a, your traditional, oh, this other team's coming off a bye and they're really well prepared for us. So, like, O'Connell was lights out. Uh, sorry, Purdue's quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, was lights out against Illinois. He threw for 371, two TDs, 83% completion. Um, he is not going to put up those type of stats against us. But he was also very good against Iowa, uh, 62% completion, threw the ball 50 times, 280 yards, three TDs, two picks. Um, this is like this was this was seen as the weakness of Purdue coming into this year of their quarterback. Like they just you know, is it going to be Jack Plummer? Is it going to be Aiden O'Connell? Um, O'Connell got the call. He's a former walk-on, but the dude averaged you know 300 yards per game in the games that he played last year against decent Big Ten opponents. So he's He's legit. I like more. There's no, there's no word on it yet. I think um, we're just going to have to pay attention this week and see, see what comes up. 
I, I don't have a lean one way or the other. I think there's there's clearly something going on with them, and if it is an injury, they don't want to disclose it. Um, the, the one thing maybe in our favor with David Bell is that they haven't used him um, to really, really throw downfield. It's been, it's been, you know, he averages, uh, he, he averaged nine yards per catch against Iowa and 13 per catch against Illinois. So, I mean, this is going to be a classic case of Northwestern is going to let this dude cook underneath and wait for a mistake and pounce in the red zone. Um, the problem is we just, we just, we just can't give this offense more touches than than they've earned we 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 cannot be um too conservative on offense because it will bite us right um and here's the thing though if there's a silver lining it's this um the reason no one's talking about purdue beating ohio state and making the college football playoff is because their defense sucks okay that didn't change it's that same. It's the exact same Purdue game that we're talking about, and you might be looking and be like, "Well, uh, Illinois only scored twenty four points. Iowa only scored twenty points. Both of those teams, they're giving Purdue's giving up four hundred and sixty five yards a game right now. Each of Iowa's running backs fumbled, and Spencer Petrus, in case you didn't notice from our game, has accuracy issues. He threw for two hundred sixty five yards against them. He also sprayed the ball all over the place. Okay." Um, Illinois walked out a, what is it, their third-string quarterback? Third or fourth, yeah. Um, Yeah, he threw two picks. He also threw for 273 yards. So a charitable way to say this would be that Purdue is bending, not breaking. Um, (laughs) You also could say that this is Illinois we're talking about, okay? And Um, Illinois had a legit chance to come back and tie the slate. Right. And then Illinois, you know, this vaunted Illinois offense came out and scored 14 points against that Minnesota defense. So this, I mean, Purdue gives up yards. Talking about bending but don't break, they don't have much. Remember, they're trying to do this goofy switch to a 3-4 right now. They're super starved for personnel. Um, They don't have the ponies here um, on defense. They really don't. And they benefited from some nice turnover luck against Iowa and, you know, a third string quarterback against Illinois. This is just who this team is. Like, they're going to try to outscore you. And they, you know, on one hand, you're like, look, they were lucky to get out of these two games. On the other hand, right, this is a team that's still calibrating all of its weapons. And as Scuzz said, I mean, this team, you got to try to keep them in front of you. Um, because if they're firing on all cylinders, they can put up massive points. I mean, this offense is totally different from everything else we've seen up until this well, point. Well, and this is this is going to be the true test for our for for what we claimed about the secondary earlier in this pod, right? Mm-hmm. Because unlike Iowa, unlike well, I, I I don't know about Maryland. I think I might need to go back and look at Maryland and try to figure out what the hell is happening there. Because they, good, good to they, good they, to get them week one. <laughs> yeah, seriously. After putting up forty on Minnesota and then whooping Penn State last weekend, but um, you know, going into this Nebraska game, I think we felt really confident slowing down their offense because of the lack of big weapons, and because they're such a run focused team. And yes, the mobile quarterback has been an issue for Northwestern in the past, but generally not when it's not unless it's like a true mobile guy right who can both run and pass Purdue is a pass team first Aiden O'Connell has attempted 85 passes in two games and as a team they have attempted 52 rushes so 
This is a different animal. Aiden O'Connell also doesn't run. He's got seven rushing attempts for minus 45 yards, which is basically sack yeah. yardage. So, like, he, like th- this is not a guy that's going to escape the pocket. He Very, very different from um, what we saw from T- 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 Tonga Veloa in week one or last week with, with Nebraska's QBs. And I don't know. I don't know what Petrus does. I don't have that on on recall right now. If he if he runs ever, he, at, he at scampered all. a little bit against us. But they they do have a guy Alexander Horvath who's been with their program for a while. He's averaging five yards per carry, per carry right now. He's um he's a big load. He's six three two thirty. He's the type of running back that that we should be just fine with with our running backs. The problem is that they're going to use him like a bludgeon to force our defense to do stuff, and then they're going to hit us with the RPO on the back end. So this, this, I mean, you are going to watch Purdue march up and down the field on offense. And it, and it really is going to come down to the 20 yard line and, and into the end zone and what our secondary can do um, in that space. And then limiting big plays throughout the rest of the game. I, I, I think this entire matchup hinges on, on that factoid. Yep. And I think on the flip side, like we have to be able to score points against this defense. It's not difficult. Um, I think having Bowser back would really help, um, but it's going to take a, a comprehensive game plan from Bajakian. Um, I think keeping the offense on the field is a big deal. Yeah, I was, um, was going to say time of possession is going to be clutch. If we if we yeah, can, you need to slow the game down, at, at least you know limit their touches, limit their possessions. Like if we win the time of possession game by five, I five more than five minutes. If it's thirty five twenty five. I, that I think it gives us a really good shot. I mean, they can score so fast, but the, like the point is limit their, their drives. Right. And I think, and you know, just to step back, it's like the way things are breaking right now, we all know what the Badgers are. We also know that the Badgers are one more cancellation from being out of this thing. And, um, with that said, you may be looking at the top two teams in the conference in this game. Um, it's it you know through two games. If you look at the potential of these teams, it that scans these two teams. I mean, certainly with Wisconsin, look like not only in record but everything else look like uh, two of the three best teams in the West. And this is a huge game for us. It's a huge game early. We've earned the right for this one, and um, we've earned the right to to really put ourselves in the driver's seat in the West this week. Night game too, 6.30 kickoff central time on Big Ten Network. Um, yeah, fun, fun to get one under the lights. I, I think I was just looking at the, I was just looking at the forecast for West Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah. I was, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. Well, my instinct, I, I had the exact same thought and I was like, and let it not be windy. Yeah. And I'm like, what are they saying? They're going to throw it like 80 times. Doesn't it? Like, <laughs> let yeah, it be a hurricane. Uh, so 50, mi- 50, 50 degrees, um, 40% chance of precipitation, like, like scattered showers. It's going to be a little bit of a colder, colder experience. 12 mile an hour wind. That's not too bad. Yeah. Shall we uh, take a look at rest around the? Shall we take a look around the conference real quick? Um, just kind of quickly go over this last weekend's results. Uh, Ohio State, a big over Rutgers. Just a, just, a, just a typical, just a typical week in the Big Ten. Yeah. Really. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Ohio State beat up on Rutgers. Um, no surprise there. Rutgers pretty much opened their playbook as deep as it could go to try to get something going. It didn't work. 
Uh, Indiana, 38. Michigan, 21. Um, In, Indiana dominated this yeah. game. This was crazy. Yeah, I think the Indiana's, they're staking their claim. I mean, it's it's funny now that we look at the worst thing and they're like, man, you guys could barely beat Penn State. How good can you possibly be? <laughs> but but uh, they're, they're putting up the wins. I mean, it, sometimes it takes little luck too, but they are rounding into form and can claim certainly to be and are ranked as such the second best team in the Big Ten. Are um, they the 10th best team in the country though? I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny because they're, you know, I, I was already looking at a situation where we were joking about this earlier, but it would certainly be the ultimate indignity to Indiana if, let's say, they lose relatively close to Ohio State, um, win out, win every other game, including their, their Week 9 game, finish 8-1, and one, watch Notre Dame get thumped by Trevor Lawrence and Clemson in the ACC title game, and then watch Notre Dame, the team they've had to look up to in their own state forever, take that number four spot in the playoff out of their hands. Um, Which sounds ridiculous, and it sounds like a heck of a lot of putting the cart before the horse, but this is an Indiana team that doesn't do anything badly. Um, And they do some things pretty well. And that is... In the East this year, that puts them above everybody but Ohio State. So I just want to point out, like, so Michigan was unable to run the ball at all against Indiana. And some of that is that Indiana, like, scored 24 points in the first half, and Michigan just felt like they had to throw a lot to catch up, right? Um, But Hassan Haskins, six carries for 19 yards. Chris Evans, three carries for five. Zach Charbonnet, one carry for for four. Against Michigan State, like Haskins was a little bit better, eight eight for fifty six, but Evans three for ten, Charbonnet five for three, AJ Henning one carry for nine. Like Michigan has a running problem, which probably means they have an offensive line problem. They're 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 throw. I mean, Joe Milton's thrown the ball for three hundred yards two games in a row. Um, yeah, he threw two picks against Indiana, but he was he was he was slicing and dicing three TDs, ten yards per attempt average, even though his his completion rate wasn't that great. They have a they have a running game problem, um. And then you look at what they did to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. <laughs> yep, I that's like Minnesota and Michigan State. I don't even know. Like, what do we even say about either of those teams? I don't know. So they ran for two hundred and fifty six yards and five touchdowns on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Folks, there's a lot of bad teams in the Big Ten this year, and maybe some of them aren't <laughs> the ones you thought they were going to be. But there are a lot of <sighs> bad teams this year. So Iowa has Michigan State, and I, much like Maryland the week before, got a little saucy after losing to us. Uh, put one on the Spartans, forty nine to seven. Holy moly. I mean, this, I'll be honest, this was the Michigan State I expected yeah. this year. The Michigan State that came out of nowhere and beat Michigan last week was like a huh, what? And I got to chalk that up to. Yeah, it makes a lot more motiv- sense now. Yeah. Right? The, the motivation and a rivalry and Michigan's relative, you know, struggles and like this being a clear letdown spot, like beating beating Big Brother and then going on the road to Iowa. Um, but they looked, they looked awful. Rocky Lombardi, three picks, 17 of 37. 17 of 37. Not great, Bob. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's like this team has played, what, three games, and two, they've looked as bad as you could possibly look. And then the other one, they beat Michigan, which now we know really isn't worth the paper it's printed on. So, yeah. Um, not and after Michigan struggling to run on Michigan State, Iowa had no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maryland, 35, Penn State 19, and 12 of those 19 points were in the fourth quarter when the game was completely out of hand. Talia Tungabaloa. What is happening? Oh, my goodness. You know? I 18 of 26 for 280 yards and three TDs. Like he is, he is a different human um, since the game against us. And I haven't seen any footage from this, from this Penn state game. I assume that much like the Minnesota game last week, they moved him around a ton and had him throwing on the run, et cetera. Interestingly, he doesn't run the ball all that often. He only had seven carries in this game, but um, I don't know. Like they, they're still rolling with Jake Funk as their, as their, as they're running back, uh, Rakeem Jarrett showed up this week. Five receptions for 144 yards and two TDs. Hello. Yeah. I well, And the thing is, too, obviously, their offense is rounding into form. We talked about the fact. It's not like we didn't talk about the fact that they had all this potential talent. I mean, that's nine stars worth of guys right there connecting on those plays, right? Um, the flip side, though, is Penn State, first of all, like running the ball. Um, yeah, can't do it. They can't do it. And, we t- you know, for all the talk about Kurt Chiraka coming in, you watch them run the ball. It is the most vanilla running of the ball. They just throw it into the line and hope that, like, the fact that their Penn State will handle it and that they just don't have the talent to do that. And then Clifford, juxtapose this with Peyton Ramsey, okay? Because Clifford was a god-awful mess in the first half of this game. And then they went to him and they were like, look, you're going to have to throw the ball a million times to pull us back into this game. And he threw the ball a million times and he threw for like 200 yards in the second half of this game and finished with 340. He also threw two brutal second half interceptions and Penn State was not able to climb back into this game. And it was an example of a guy who, again, was a mess to start off. And then when, I mean, at the end of the day, he completed 27, he missed on 30. And if Penn State's going to keep getting that out, that that then you're like, well, then if you can't complete passes, you can't run the ball. Like, what is this team? Because Maryland's defense is not what's winning them football games right now. It is that same defense. And Penn State just, they're just a mess right now. It's like if their quarterback can't complete passes, and, like, they can't run the ball. Like, I mean, this team is not done losing football games by any stretch of the imagination. It it, it took a while for Shiraka's offense to, to hit, you know, maximum speed in, in Minnesota for sure. Um, and I wonder if Clifford is struggling with the RPO concepts. I, I bet Shiraka would trade Sean Clifford for Peyton Ramsey tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah. Because, you, like, you, like, his system is so – it's, like – it is all about the quarterback's eyes and the quarterback's brain and how fast they can process. And like Clifford seems to be struggling. And when you, when you put him into drop back mode and you just let him, you know, fire downfield to, to Dotson, who's, who's incredible or their, um, I, I assume Penn state has a baby Gronk on their team, like seven other college football teams right now. 
Um, that, like, like he's fine, but that's not what they brought Shiraka in to do. And it's just, it feels like a little bit of a mismatch that until they get another year under their belts of learning his stuff is just going to be problematic. It doesn't help that they lost their top two running backs um, to injury. So they've got, you know, they've got a little bit of a talent drop off there, but Devin Ford was still a big recruit. Like, like it's not like they're, you know, they're not running. Um, I don't want to, I don't, they're not running RB fields back there. <laughs> Oof. So, sorry, RB. Um, yeah, no, I mean, they're they're And on the flip side, right, Maryland really kind of the fly in the ointment right now. I mean, it's hilarious because we're like, who exactly is the third best team in the East right now? Will someone please stand up? <laughs> and the thing is, Maryland is the Maryland's Tracy Flick right now. They are furiously raising their hand uh, for that number three spot. But then you know they're probably just going to get absolutely obliterated against Ohio State this weekend. And then it's going to be like, so now who's the third? And you know what? It might still be Maryland because they still have Michigan State. They still have Rutgers uh, and they still have Michigan. Um, And at this point, um, they've got a, a, you know, a, a decent to fantastic chance in every one of those games. Uh, finally, in the Big Ten last week, uh, Minnesota forty-one, Illinois fourteen. Mohammed Ibrahim is unbelievable. Uh, well, I mean, again, uh, good for him, right? Because Ugh. we talked about that poor guy being saddled with that Minnesota defense. I mean, like, minimize these carries because that guy needs is going to make serious NFL money. He 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 carried the ball thirty, 30 times. times for two twenty-four right. and four touchdowns. I know. It's like, let's like, come on, let's not take too many NFL paychecks away from Muhammad Ibrahim. Um, but you know what? It's, you, you remember in Wall Street, and I know I'm dating myself, but I hope you all have seen Wall Street. And if not, there's the scene where early on Charlie Sheen's trying to impress Michael Douglas, Gordon Gecko, and he, he delivers him some insider trading information that he knows about his dad's airline. Um, and it works out for him, but, but Gordon Gecko doesn't know it's, you know, his dad is a figure in the airline. Um, and then he, he gets a second shot and he tries to make a second entire trading thing, but he doesn't have inside information and he fails. And then Gordon Gecko's like, well, I guess your dad's not the union rep of that company, is he? Well, Illinois, I guess you're not getting five turnovers a game anymore, are you? Uh, it's funny how it's hard to win. Uh, I guess your dad's not giving you five turnovers every game anymore, is he? Uh, it's hard to win when you're not leading the nation in fumble recovery percentage. Um, when you actually have to rely on the talent on the team. Yeah. A little bit tougher. Um, so well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is, it is hard to evaluate Illinois based on their third string QB. Um, and presumably next week they're going to get Peters and, or, uh, Williams back. But Corin Taylor is, very outmatched and and i like i don't know what they expect from this poor guy um you know i guess next next week they're at Rutgers. they're seven point under under talks <laughs> oh i can't even say it with a straight face so um hey, when was the last time Rutgers was favored over anyone i never I'm, i just i'm already looking ahead to uh, Nebraska chalking up their first win of the season in two weeks against Illinois when Luke McCaffrey runs for 250 yards yeah. and Lincoln yeah. loses its mind. Like, the future is now with Luke McCaffrey. 
It's gonna happen, oh, folks. God, Illinois goes. So they get they gotta chase those two QBs, and then they host Ohio State, host Iowa, and then visit us. That I mean, that's just a brutal finish. So let's talk about uh, this upcoming weekend's games just real quick. Um, we got a Friday night game: Iowa at Minnesota. I mean, both of these teams are are going to want to run the Floyd ball. Floyd of Rosedale, is that I right? believe it's Floyd, Floyd of Rosedale? Rosedale, yeah. Yeah, both of these teams are going to want to run the ball. Um, if It's one of those things where I'm kind of like the the weather again. I mean, I, I honestly don't know in this game. Um, I really don't. Um, maybe a slight edge to Iowa. I mean, don't forget that this you know this past week's Illinois performance has no bearing whatsoever on how bad Minnesota's defense is. Minnesota's defense is still just as bad as they were, um, and I was probably going to hammer them on the ground. Um, so Ibrahim is is probably going to try to keep Minnesota in it, but it, it kind of feels like Iowa can lean on them. So I, I I see the other I see it the other way. I think um, I think Minnesota should be able to to run through Ibrahim and then. They should like Bateman scored his first TD last week. He's you know after opting out, I think it probably took him a little bit of time to get just integrated back into the world there. And it's a it's a 7 p.m. game in Minneapolis on November 13th. Uh, seven Eastern, so it's six o'clock Central. All right, six six p.m. game. The it's sun the dark. sun is it's down be, regardless. Yeah. Yes, it's going to be dark. It's going to be cold. Um, and I, I like I like this feels like the sort of like the way that Minnesota likes it and. For whatever Iowa's going to be able to do to Minnesota's run D, I think the opposite is also probably true. Uh, Saturday, 11 a.m. on ABC, Indiana at Michigan State. Um, I mean, everything we know tells us hide your children for this game. Yeah. And, and um, yet this is going to be the game that Michigan State just like puts a spanking on, right? I, I don't know. Like, can't you see this being the sort of thing where Penix has a little bit of an off day, maybe throws a couple picks, maybe maybe loses a fumble, um, and Michigan State gets a a defensive TD, a special teams TD, and hangs on. Like, I, like I guess this one feels weird. I feel like these two teams, like last year, Indiana. Um, Oh no, I'm thinking about Penn State last year. I, I I'm I'm not sure what the what the the in and out series looks like with these two squads, but at the same time, like the best bet is Stevie Scott and Michael Penix uh, are able to just run all over Michigan State and Indiana romps. To your point, John. Yeah, I mean, like let's give respect for a team that's doing everything right right now versus a team that's doing everything wrong right now. <laughs> uh, Illinois Rutgers. We mentioned that briefly. Um, <laughs> just, yep. just clear okay. out, yeah. clear out your schedule. Good thing the election's out of the way, so we can all focus on Illinois Rutgers this weekend. I, election? I mean, ga- game day is going to Lincoln, right? Like that's that's where all the eyeballs are. Absolutely, you got. Uh... Well, you got two two blue bloods like Penn State and Nebraska going head to head. What's going to be interesting to see, like if 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 like the pattern holds. Nebraska will lay it on Penn State because you lose to us, you lay it on the team next week. But that ain't well. I I, I say that ain't happening. I mean, it's it's on FS1, and I'm sure like they. I don't know if this was supposed to be on like Big Daddy Fox with Gus, and uh, if that was the case, they were they're backpedaling out of that hard. I don't I, I don't know see- if that's the case though, but. 
Yeah. This is good. I, I see this opportunity for like, if this was wrestling, right? Um, which <laughs> if only it could be, they wouldn't be able to find Adrian Martinez for three hours before the game. And then he'd come out of the tunnel wearing a Penn State uniform. If only that could happen. <laughs> oh, that would be uh, glorious. But, sa- but sadly it can't, and we're going to have to find some other way to care about this game. Um, it's, you know, it's Frost, I mean, for sure, well, God, I don't even know. I mean, Nebraska wants this win so bad, but boy, if Penn State somehow can't contain McCaffrey or something happens and they're looking at 0-4, boy, oh boy, at that point, oh, throw out the rest I... of the season. I think they're just gonna throw the ball all over the place. I, I like I, I could be wrong. I think they're gonna struggle to run, and they're just gonna they're, like if they as long as they revert to the to the to the pass game sooner rather than later, and that you know if Clifford looks like he did um, against Ohio State instead, like like Penn State was due for a letdown this past week, right? Yeah. I don't I like if if they play Maryland five times, I'm gonna bet on Penn State to win at least six of them. Um, all right. If they played Maryland 10 times, I, you know, 60% of the time, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, I liked it better with five in the six, but I hear yeah, your point. Yeah, is made. You know. <laughs> yeah. I just, I like, I'm, I mean, I still think like Penn state is Penn state's probably a better team than Maryland. I think they're probably the third best team in the East. And I just, I expect them to play more like we expect them to play in this game. And I, and I, and, and that is a lot better than Nebraska can play. Uh, Ohio state, Maryland. I- Icarus. Ooh. Icarus hath flown so high and now he nears the sun. <laughs> <laughs> can, can Ohio, I mean, so Ohio state couldn't cover Dotson. Can they really cover Demas and Jarrett? I don't know. Like this is going to be, I Maryland cannot stop Ohio State, but could this be a high scoring affair that was pretty entertaining? I think. I yes. feel like they had a really high scoring affair last time they played in uh, College Park, right? That is also like, true. Yeah, with Mar- um, Booger, not uh, I, the, the Anthony McFarland, not Booger McFarland's kid, kid. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, I you know, all things are possible. My impression of Ohio State's defense this year is that they've been asleep for a lot of the games. Um, and when they are totally dialed in and totally attentive, they do things like almost murder Sean Clifford on national television. <laughs> um, and let's let's just, Talia, let's just keep him safe. He has a really bright career. Let's just get him through this game. Um, and, uh, and, you know, maybe he'll get a couple highlights along the way. And... Really interesting one, if it happens. I mean, there's still you know, no word one way or the other, but Wisconsin at Michigan. Um, if, if this if this game does go down, what will having two weeks off and like having no football-related activity for at least two weeks due to Wisconsin? Is Michigan so flawed that... Uh, I mean, we saw Wisconsin against Illinois and... They looked really good, but Graham Mertz isn't back. Even if you know th- this game is played, there's so many question marks around this. And if it, I, I'm really fascinated to see if it, you know, what what ends up happening with this game. As it currently stands, 
if Wisconsin plays this game against Michigan, they are so much better than Michigan is right now, irrespective of the quarterback. I Watching this Michigan offense flail, and yes, I know they've got a quarterback who's throwing the ball pretty well right now. Going from any defense Michigan has played so far to this Wisconsin defense um, is... I mean, it's it's a nightmare. You're like the one thing Michigan can kind of do is throw the ball, and you're playing one of the three or four best pass rushing teams in the country. Um, and so I, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you, and that all could be true, except for Graham Mertz. I have not seen a list of Wisconsin players who tested positive for COVID. Oh, no. Well, well, that's well, and that's the thing too. I mean, you're right. We don't know exactly what the roster is, what the situation is, right? Like, we don't know what their personnel is. We don't know nothing. You're right. It could be like, oh yeah, by the way, like their entire starting defense is out. Um, you're right. We don't have those details at all. And again, we don't even know if this game is going to be played. Which, of course, for Wisconsin, um, it this is the nuclear scenario for them. This is the nuclear scenario for the Big Ten. It's the nuclear scenario for Wisconsin. They have to play every game from here on out, starting with this game, um, or or it's you know, or the whole thing is blown up for them. And I think it's you know, the the last thing you want, right, is for Wisconsin to have to scrub this game, which is really at the start of the season, looked on paper like their hardest game. Um and to, to scrub to have scrub this game and then and of course we don't want this at all but to then win out in some situation where you know they beat everybody on the rest of their schedule but are ineligible to make the postseason or something like that like don't let that happen um, just get them into this game let them play straight up and you know what if they're depleted and Michigan beats them then fine um, but you know we'd we'd be fools if we thought that a full strength Wisconsin squad wouldn't walk into this game and just mop the floor oh, with for Michigan. Sure. For I, mean, sure. I mean, I don't know what Michigan is right now, but but yeah, no, I mean you make an excellent point. I mean, we just do not know. It's interesting because you would have thought that Michigan would get up for a game against Michigan State and they didn't. They're not capable of doing that you would think that Michigan would get up for a 7:30 home game against Wisconsin. I like that's a question mark. Um at the same time Wisconsin hasn't tackled anyone in 2 weeks. Right. And we don't know if like what their practice situation is yeah. like. like. We don't know nothing. So what I I heard and I I haven't confirmed this but I heard that they might have begun light workouts on last Friday. Like begun light workouts they've been they've been doing nothing they've been doing nothing for the past two weeks yeah Yeah. i mean they get they get they get a full week to to try to get up to to par i mean this is like the opening game of the season all over again right and they're a veteran laden squad um the quarterback situation notwithstanding and yeah, this 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 one will be fascinating to watch during the week. Interestingly, um, in a lot of places, Michigan opened as a three point favorite. Um, that got bet down very quickly, and I think right now Wisconsin is a is a consensus uh, favorite by a point and a half. Um, but man, this is going to be a wild one. 
yeah. I mean, I, I just... No, not to mention the fact that this is our preview of Wisconsin before they come play us. Right. Like, if, if they don't play this, who knows, like, who knows what that'll do to that team? Like, everything would then be off, the, like, their season would be basically done, but would they come and try to play spoiler for us? Oh, I mean, a- absolutely. But they then would. it'd be three weeks without a game and then try to come back. Like, it's so. I think. I think. I think they're gonna play this. I mean, I think they're some, gonna play by this. some by hook or by crook. I would imagine you're right, but yeah, we we will yeah. see. And 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 it's at night. That would you know like seven hours. I don't know if that really matters in the grand scheme of things, but it does. It does make you think that maybe they can get in some additional protocol steps, right? If they have to um, for certain players, depending on when people tested. So I like. We'll see. Um, any other games nationally to kind of keep your eye on, uh, next week? Um, just kind of quickly scrolling through, nothing really seems to be all that enticing. I mean, our winning cures everything, boys, get their head to head. Come on, LSU. Talk about playing spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Shock the world, LSU. Um, Ghost of Joe Burrow. Um, I will say too. Talk about a letdown game. Uh, I grew up in the Northeast. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Them Boston I... College chances don't come along often, but when they do, um, this is you know there are legendary BC Notre Dame games with these kind of circumstances. So well, and you and you know Boston College's quarterback, right? Is, Notre Dame is transfer. The Notre Dame grad right. transfer. Right. So um, yeah. I mean, like, so it's I we saw. My wife's family uh, today, and of course, you know, I talked to a lot of Notre Dame because they're all all Notre Dame uh, folk, and like they were immediately already talking about like, oh man, we're nervous, Boston College, yada yada yada. Like you, like BC's five and three, they don't look so so hot, but this is the type of game that coming off of that win over Clemson, um, you would absolutely expect Notre Dame to uh, fall back to earth, and if they fall too far, they're, they're gonna they're gonna take one on the chin. Uh, anything else to talk about before we get out of here tonight, guys? I don't think so. Again, it's like we've we talked about this Purdue game, how nervous we were, and when it's finally arrived. But you know what? We're three and zero with one of the best defenses in the country, um, and I think a lot of people, I think the nation is going to be looking at this as unstoppable force versus a movable object, and rightly so. And um, you know, we get to play our part in that now, and it's going to be wild. Yeah, I. I... I don't know that we're the un- unmovable object. It's more like a scoring machine against the unscorable. There you go. And, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, there is another narrative to take from, you know, the, the teams that we've played. Um, you know, Maryland has looked amazing since they played us. Yeah, Iowa looked amazing after playing us. Maybe our defense is just that damn good. That's right. I don't know. Amen. I, I, people are saying. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> In any case, uh, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlaw of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John LeCombe and Eric Skazba, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.